Welcome to the 128th episode of News Dump, where we run through the hottest topics in the Lewis County news scene and discuss. I'm local man Aaron Vantile, joined today by Chronicle Editor-in-Chief Eric Schwartz and Chronicle Assistant Editor Isabel Vanderstoop. And we're joined in spirit by sponsors Summit Funding and The Roof Doctor. It's Monday, January 23rd, and friends, clams are back. There's a surprise clam dig this weekend, so go dig some up, take them home, make a nice chowder, or just fry them. That was That's to, your thing? To be clear, that was on Saturday, today, and then Wednesday. So there's one more day left of it. Oh, it was. It already happened? Yes. Well, you should really add you that really, to the story. <laughs> I mean, it, it has, has the, the dates, dates in it. it. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> but yeah, they announced it on Friday, very last minute. So last minute, I couldn't even get it into the paper. Um, so I just threw something up online. They've... Like all of the digs have been canceled due to demoic acid, mm-hmm. um, and apparently this sure. one beach opened up, um, and you can eat these without you know crapping your brains out. Look. Is that is that what demoic acid? Does I would just assume is? that anything food that's bad is going to be bad for your. You just assume bad seafood is just. Look, I'm not like, you know, you know me. I I'm pro conservation, whatever. But I'm just pretty sure that WDFW just does not want you to fish or catch clams. Jeez, strong take. I shouldn't say that, honestly. <laughs> no, that's, that's harsh. Yeah, no, I, I just think that they are like... You're speaking as a composite Lewis County resident look, right now. Exactly. I, I have been fishing and digging clams and catching crab in this area all my life. And I remember how it used to be. There didn't just used to be demoic acid all year long, constantly. There used to be a clam season, and every once in a while, they would be like, okay, here's the red tide. You can't go then. But now it's like there's always a red tide, and then every once in a while, you get one day where you can go catch clams. Like, do you really think that when it comes back, or, or when it's gone at least, then for a whole just three days you can go out and get clams? Or do you think that actually the clams would be fine to get that entire week and then they're just like giving you some random day? It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. I don't I don't know. It's the state government for you, right, Aaron? Yep, they're just stepping up and stepping right on the necks of those clam diggers. And I, I was just telling Aaron, I think you could have state government and it would it would be far more efficient. Mm-hmm. Half. Half. Yeah. Yep. Could chop it in half. Yeah, I probably. Knew, I knew what you meant. <laughs> Sure. That, that's a lovely thing for you to say, sir. Anyways, 9.16 uh, p.m. Wednesday, January 25th. I think that's the start time, right? You can go out there at night. Uh, that's the 9.16 p.m. That's like the, the, the low tide. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so you want to get there like an hour and a half, maybe two hours before. Okay. Start farting around. 15 of those bad boys. Yep. That's, that's your limit. You take a child with you, 15 more. Maybe? It should be all right, though. I agree. If we want to shit our brains out off of bad clams, like, <laughs> what if I? What if that's a like, sensation I desire? You know what I mean? We've already takes... had like way too many expletives for this episode. Oh, there's going to be our... there's going to be more. Oh, Don't no, you boy. worry. Well, I, yeah. No, I don't know. I'm just. I can't even eat clams. I'm allergic to shellfish. But when I was growing up, I used to eat them, and I'm from a family who has went and clam digged at these beaches like my, all my life. And they definitely made me do it so that they could get my limit too. Oh yeah. I grew up the same way. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned, Oh, there didn't used to be domoic acid. I used to eat clams all the time. And then recently it started getting sick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely ill. <laughs> yeah. If I were to eat clams, I, whether it was a red tide or not now, I, I wouldn't be okay. So mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't matter to me, but it just, <laughs> you gotta wonder. 
All right, news items. First one up, David Burnett reflects on decades fighting for sovereignty and prosperity. He was chairman of the Chehalis tribe, Confederated Tribes of the Chehalis. Yeah, Confederated Tribes of the Chehalis Reservation. Okay. My, my understanding, and this is a rough one, is that the there were a lot of different bands of the Chehalis, both in upper and lower parts of the basin, and they had a lot of different names. And so the um, I think the the name of the reservation tries to reflect the fact that it's several different tribes, I guess. Okay. Uh, he was chairman from 2002 to 2014, did some pretty good stuff. The Chehalis never signed a treaty in a 1960s settlement. The federal government made a one-time payment of $1.7 million for 3 million acres of the tribe's land. What's well, uh, around 50 cents an acre, I think? Yeah, my jaw dropped when I heard that number. Yeah, even in the 60s, that was... Uh, it's bad. Uh, not great. Uh, following the 1995 establishment of the Lucky Eagle Casino, Burnett recalled the tribe was essentially bankrupt, but now, through some responsible financial maneuvering, they run about a dozen businesses and employ about 1,500 people, with Burnett estimating 350 of those are members. Uh, you interviewed him, right? Mm-hmm. Was, he, was he cool? What's he like? He was very cool. He, he was um, definitely shy at first, but by the end of it, I... I felt like I was really trying to, I was starting to understand his sort of what uh, the later chair, Harry Pickenall, called a seven generation view. He started to gather that as he pieced the stuff together. And it's, it's interesting to hear how for all this time he was thinking, like, if we could get to financial independence, then that would like earn us sovereignty that we don't have right now. It was just really, it was a remarkable interview, and I'm really honored that he gave it to us. All right, Schwartz, anything to add? No, I mean, I just think it was really cool. I, my first read, I told Isabel, I thought it was a historically important story for a lot of reasons, and this isn't unique to the Chehalis tribe. Um, there's not a whole lot of interaction from tribal leaders um, and, you know, media, newspapers, whoever, um, off of the reservation, so to speak. Um, and this tied a lot of individuals, uh, locations, and like historical events into one story that I think will be very helpful for a long time in seeing how the Shales tribe evolved um, like historically to what it is now and even gives a little picture to where it's heading. Um, and I just, I just thought it was a great read. And David Burnett's kind of been, um, it, been a player, I guess you could say, for a, a long time, my entire career, he graduated from Centralia College in 2000, I learned. I did not know that he was a Centralia College graduate. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just thought it was a great story, very important story. All right. Next up, amid uproar over Tanino's sex offender housing, lawmakers work on bill to prevent similar situations. Uh, they're taking sex offenders off of McNeil Island, which is not a bad place for them, and moving them into a contained house somewhere in Tanino with ankle bracelets, and they never get to leave. The people of Tanino are understandably upset because they didn't get nearly as much of a warning as they probably should have. Uh, Senator Drew McEwen from Shelton had some takes on the situation. One of his quotes, This has been in the works for months, yet the neighbors found out about it just three weeks before the first sex predator is due to arrive. Another quote, We're talking about a million-dollar home with acreage facing a small lake, popular for water skiing practice. And he really makes it sound like this is just the lakeside offensive sex pad where the molesters are going to jet ski to freedom. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but it is still understandable that people would be upset. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think that's like the understatement of the century. We're talking about McNeil Island sex offenders. These are the worst of the worst. These are people who finish their sentence, and the psychologists that they talk to, uh, counselors they talk to, have gone on the record say, "You can't let this person out because this person is going to reoffend." Um, somewhat quietly, the state passed a law last year or the year before um, that you could do these housing developments, not only that you could, but that each county has to take a certain amount of them. And I believe the Thurston County allotment was 11, so this will take care of five of them. Um, if I lived in the neighborhood, I would be irate. And I had a little taste of this when I bought my house on the Wanch Prairie because there was, once we moved in, a level three sex offender living on my fence line in a trailer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not a good feeling, especially yeah. if you don't know it's coming. And then all of a sudden you just have to deal with that reality that your safety and your sense of safety, I guess, is going to be a threat forever. You just have to deal with it. And, uh, there's law enforcement. I think, uh, Sheriff Sanders said he can have one deputy for Rochester, Tonino, all of South County, pretty much on duty at a time. So if one of them was to escape, I mean, who knows how long they stay on the lam. I think it's, I think it is one of these rare stories. Like I always say, you know, I don't take a point of view. This is something the state should have been, you know, banging pots and pans in the neighborhood and announcing through a town crier. Like it should have been done yeah. correctly. I, I um, think the outreach is the biggest mess yeah. up here for sure. And it's something that's going to keep happening too. Cause this is, I think several speakers said it. Emily's got an updated story on Cronline from a meeting on Sunday night. Um, but each county has to take some of these offenders, so it's just going to start popping up over and over and over. I don't think next to a kid's park in a popular lake is a, a good spot for this. Which which lake is this? Uh, I'm not sure the name of the lake. It's a water skiing, I'm assuming, like a man-made one. I wasn't aware of it before this story. You know that one honest. in Adna along the Willapa Hills Trail? I got uh, the, the secret one, Lake Silverado. I got the impression it was something like that, but I'm also not the one doing this story, but we could find out. Yeah, um, Emily's story is super interesting. Uh, I'd suggest reading it. The one, I, yeah, she did a great job with it. It's very down the line too. Like yeah. talks about both why it's happening and how people feel about it, and how the company was looking at it too. And I think the overall theme of her latest story, which is the top story in Cronline, is that they're planning to fight. They're going to be protesting in Olympia on Thursday, um, and they've got a, a few different legal avenues that they're taking to try to stop this. But again, the first resident is supposed to move in in February. Um, and one other interesting note that we haven't gotten reported yet, and I don't 100% know it's true, but this is a claim from reliable sources, is that these sex offenders at McNeil Island are being downgraded from level three to level two, um, as they leave, um, which changes some of the notification requirements substantially. Um, and uh, it makes sense based on our reporting because they say the first inmate that's coming in there is a level two, and I don't think there are many level twos at McNeil Island. So mm -hmm. very troubling. Yeah. Um, the thing that stuck out to me was that just like the from a, like a budget feasibility standpoint, that a private company, Supreme Living, can put these sex offenders up in a lakeside McMansion and turn a profit, but a state agency doesn't have the capacity to do it. it. It just seems like something is missing there that they can, that it is more cost effective to farm this out than to, for the state to fund it itself. Well, I think that comes down to how a lot of state legislators feel. I mean, like, I don't know who passed this legislation, but I know that we were just talking the last episode about how Braun said that we need to stimulate the private sector in order to get enough housing bill because the state will never be able to do it. And, you know, I, 
whether I agree with that or not, I think it reflects how a lot of them feel about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, I'm sure there is some degenerate out there listening to this and considering McNeil Island sex offenders for their fantasy football team next year. I would advise against it. I also want to say I think it's uh, worth noting that Washington does have a system in place that holds sex offenders in prison beyond their sentence, which was wild to me when I discovered that as a young reporter. Um, it's the only area of crime. I mean, if you murder someone and complete your sentence, I don't think there's an avenue where they can be like, well, he's still murdery. We better keep him. Like, uh, I mean, probation, things like that, sure. But as far as, you know, we're going to put them on an island. <laughs> like, that's... that's a Also, the fact that we just have an island, we stuff full of sex offenders... Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> it's it's something. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that we have enough sex offenders to fill an island, but it's something that we have an island. And and know. fill to overcapacity, which is why this is happening, right? right? Yeah. Maybe you just need to build some more islands. Build some more. Build some more we'll islands. Have, we'll have Rainier do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next item. Amid lawsuit, YMCA purchases, rem- purchases remainder of land from Mineral Lake to Nisqually River. The YMCA of Greater Seattle has purchased 1,600 acres of land abutting its 500 acres on the north shore of Mineral Lake in northeast Lewis County. The 2,100 total acres are zoned as forest resource land and were previously owned by Forecastle Timber. It stretches from the lake to the Nisqually River. So, actually, it's pronounced Folksle. I disagree. It's, it's part of a ship. I have tried telling community development this, but nobody cares, and it... Therefore, is constantly mispronounced in YMCA and county meetings alike. And so the way that I look at it is they're united on one front. But if they were Folksel and you were just at that meeting, you were like, you know what? I'm going to go home and do some research on Folksel. Good luck with that, Google, my friend. Yeah, yeah, but you could just look up the word Folksel and it would say, here's how you pronounce it. Because it's also a word just beyond being the name of the timber company, which I believe was founded by two brothers who no longer live in the Washington area. It pulled up the Folksel Culturally Jewish Sunday School and Community uh, Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And then did you look up Folksel's <laughs> no, definition? There's a lot to read into that. There's an Instagram here. It's about a vibrant secular humanist community also in Philadelphia. Oh, a vibrant secular humanist community. <laughs> <In> Philadelphia? <laughs> Just say it. Brotherly love, baby. I guess. Anyway, the nonprofit's plan for a youth camp were thwarted by a decision from the county commissioners back in November not to rezone the property from forest land to a, quote, master planned resort, which is a land zoning designation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commissioner Sean Swope asked where the nonprofit stood on gender reassignment surgery for minors, critical race theory, and defunding the police. Those questions made smashing the appeal with a lawsuit button pretty easy for the YMCA lawyers who had the paperwork drawn up within weeks and countered the woke implications by closing the written argument with a prayer. Somebody's reading the court documents outside of the Chronicle. I had a look at them. Um, Ironically, young man and Christian are what Swope shouts when asked for his pronouns. You've you've done that exact joke before. Like, uh, I think it was like a Twitter word bio word. joke last time, and Chad interrupted me. Um, <laughs> now you have interrupted me. <laughs> Stepping all over his bits. Uh, yeah, but once again, this was a land zoning issue for a camp to teach children about being outside. Um. Anyway, yeah. What do you guys think? I f- I feel like maybe this, just because we've done so many stories on this now, it might get lost. But um, 
in general, the mineral distaste for this project, the mineral community's distaste, has been that it is um, going to change the pristine land that they have now, whereas the YMCA has argued that it will be the most, like, preservation possible for this land without doing any, like, bigger development because it was previously cut out into these, like, spaghetti strip uh, 20 acre lots because they were going to sell a bunch of McMansions onto it. Like if you look at the plat map, it's literally just like strips up from the lake like so that you could get as many. parcels with lakefront. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that was what it was going to be until the mineral community rallied against it. And then there were several other like proposals for the land. Cause I think that Folksville has been trying to sell it for a long time, but, um, Anyway, so that's kind of what it boils down to ultimately is just whether you think it's a good use for the land or if, like, people, I don't know. But it's also interesting to think of the fact that, like, should a community be able to say what a private landowner does in their community or not, you know? And while it's – I feel like there's a good argument for the fact that the commissioners were representing how the community felt about it. But I also think that considering what they've said previously about like growth management, then you could say that they were being hypocritical or not. It's just, it's a very interesting and very unique issue. I've, I've really enjoyed covering it because of all of that. Let me ask a question that was posed to me. I think I've discussed it with both of you. I'm just interested in your answers. Uh, Do you think the YMCA's stance, if there is one, on gender reassignment surgery for minors, critical race theory, and defunding the police is relevant to the story? Um, And beyond that, do you think that that should be included in coverage? To Uh, me, I think whether... I, I think that whether Sean Swope's opinions on their stances are valid or invalid they don't come into the question of whether someone's land the legal question right they they don't come into the and that's what the ymca is arguing in its lawsuit is that these things are irrelevant to the the zoning question and i think ultimately what it should come down to is um yeah, should should this is this the best use for this land or not? However, and and this is me playing devil's advocate with myself. Sean was like, well, they brought up their education in the public hearing when they said this is why we would be beneficial. So I understand how he could reason that it was already beyond that when he started looking at it. Does that I make sense? That. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit more complicated than yes or no, but I'm trying not to like what the way that I look at it is we're reporting on this lawsuit and this is the YMCA's case for that. And like, not, I should go back and say where, I I, I don't know. From an editing standpoint, it was for me, it's like you get to that point of the story where you're like, you know, Sean made these comments about those three controversial issues. Um, And then in order to satisfy that, you know, as far as what the stance of the YMCA is, you have to write a pretty substantial chunk because there's not like a statement on their website that I'm aware of that says, here's our opinion on this. You'd have to look for case by case examples that show that the greater anyways, but you would have to do that work for the YMCA on each of those issues, document it, include it in the story, and then go to the Nisqually tribe and do the same thing because they're a partner in it. Right. 
Um, and by then, you're writing a completely different story, and it has right. nothing to do with this legal case. And ultimately, the YMCA is arguing in its lawsuit whether those things should be relevant at all or not. And like, if if the Thurston County judges are like, yeah, these things are relevant, then I feel like it would be worth talking about both sides of that and what their stances were. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I did Google YMCA and their stance on defunding the police, and the biggest thing I could come up with was an essay on the matter and the terminology and the issue from 2020 written by a YMCA chapter president. And his take was, maybe not, and that guy was a retired police chief. Yeah, I mean, you could probably plug both ways. I just saw an item uh, in a newsletter that comes to me against my will every day um, that there's a YMCA that sided with a, a trans individual uh, who to the uh, female users of the restroom did not appear female and they sided with that individual and this uh, newsletter was making hay of that. So I'm sure you could find and I cherry did, pick, I, but yeah, I, I think see even this one. discussion shows that <laughs> that would just derail the story. Like I, We're with, talking about land use. With a national organization that has as many different chapters and like individual organizations as they do, I feel like, yeah, you could come up with a thousand examples of one way or the other. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that's completely not what the whole decision was meant to be about. And I, at least they, the YMCA alleges in its lawsuit that like they went beyond what is written out in the scope of the Lewis County code and in the state code. And the state code does have some, or the county as well, has some leeway when it comes to, like, is this a beneficial rezone? But um, when you look at previous, like, comprehensive plan stuff for Lewis County, it says that having a master plan resort would be a good thing for the county's, like, tourism and its, like, long-term goals. So where it lines up with what Lewis County has previously said about itself it is beneficial. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, it doesn't alleviate the biggest burning question, though, and that's if they start to develop out there. They're going to need some roofs. By God. <laughs> and how are they going to pay for them? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Whether or not it's in the master plan or the county code, they're not going to need a goddamn penny for an estimate. <laughs> it's going to be free. Because estimates are free when you call the roof doctor. They make house calls. They sure do. Are you aware that uh, we've got a couple new reviews? No. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> we did. Like, there's two more. Uh, this first one is from Autumn B., and I am going to read both of them. Uh, excellent service from Keith and his crew. Keith again. I had received several bids from other companies, but after five minutes of talking with Keith, I knew he was the one I oh, wanted to hire. I did, too. My roof was completed in one day and stayed on budget. I highly recommend Roof Doctor. That's from Autumn B. Autumn B. More like Autumn B. Dry, because there ain't <laughs> no leaks in her roof. Oh, that's lame. Uh, this <laughs> other one is from John D. Uh, the Roof Doctor is the very best roofing company in the United States of America. Wow. This, <laughs> this forum Blowing. should allow for more stars. I give the good doctor 10 stars. The they also doctor. sponsor a top 20 Lewis County podcast through the Chronicle. Oh, gosh. Wow. Hosts Isabel and Eric are awesome. Aaron is also there. Anyways, Roof Doctor, <laughs> best there is. It does not say From that. John D. Look it up. It's there. Are you serious? I yeah. don't believe you. I, I, it's, right, it's right there. It is. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
John really wanted to be on the podcast. I yes, think. John D really, really wanted to be on the podcast. Wow. Great. Well, I'm so glad we could help out the roof doctor with that. And don't we have a story about the roof doctor coming to or something? No, actually, we oh. just saw them working on that building right by um, just Centralia City Napa Hall Auto Parts. No, <laughs> and there were just a lot of people on the one roof. So we took a picture because it was cool. And then Jared went up to them and he was like, where are you guys from? And they were like, the roof doctor. And we were like, oh. And that's the photo that accompanies this podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Any other news items you guys want to hit before we take an ad break? I'll do them at the end in the what's in the next paper. All right. I like that section. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jacek from Summit Funding. Here's what a recent client is saying about us. Hi, this is Chad Taylor. Have you been thinking about purchasing or refinancing your current home? The team at Summit Funding is the best in class. Looking for a conventional FHA, VA, USDA, jumbo, or even a reverse mortgage? Trust the team at Summit Funding. Corley and I did, and we couldn't be happier. Thank you to all of our past clients. If you have any questions, give us a call at 360-330-4037. All right, we're back. It's time for Tales from the Takes page, a.k.a. the opinion section. And first up, we have an absolutely scathing take from community critic Bo Rupert on mail theft being bad. His headline says, System should not go easy on Alaska mail thief. And I have not read this letter, so one I, of you two can fill me in. I put scathing as like a... as like a Scare quotes? Yeah, like in a little sarcastic way because I feel like mail theft is bad isn't like that crazy. Oh, theft, yeah. There there was like a lot of, um, there was not a lot from the opinion page in the last week. So I was- it's a hell of a thing for you to say. Trying There's to been make a full sure. page of content every day. <laughs> Slap Julie in the face. How could you? No, that one is <laughs> it's coming kidding. up in the next I'm paper, I I'm thought. just kidding. Yes. And also it hadn't been posted by the time I was going to put this in the notes, but she did have a really good one. Anyways, there was also a bunch of letters from the high schoolers from Centralia, and we will continue publishing those this week. One of them was good. School days should start later. It prompted a, a letter that was turned in today by a retired professor who agreed with the letter writer and complimented, oh, cool. um, complimented Paige Miles, is the name of the letter writer, on their writing, which I thought was really nice and would probably be really um, reinforcing to the writer. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought that one was good, yeah. School days should start later. Yeah, all right. Everything um, should. We've also including got including our deadline. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, we've also got a commentary from Senator John Braun. Refusal to even acknowledge K twelve learning loss is a disservice to students. This is his weekly legislature column that we talked about last week, um, and I thought it was interesting. We actually, uh, Isabel and I, and Matthew Zilstra, Jared Wenzelberger, Chad Taylor. Is that the whole crew? Yeah. Uh, went up to the Capitol and met with uh, Braun and uh, House Minority Leader J.T. Wilcox, you know, Peter Farno, and Ed Orca. You can step on my bits? You stepping uh, yeah, on my you bits over your there? Sentence. I just want to throw something in. <laughs> okay. And they talked about this issue in uh, a way that I thought conveyed it even better than the column, just in terms of the, the uh, upward hill. <laughs> I guess all hills are upward. The, uh, <laughs> I, the struggles of students. I agree. The there was a... There was a letter that will run in tomorrow's paper from Vicki Daniels that was kind of in response to his uh, commentary and saying, like, here's how this is actually going to affect, like, 
the more vulnerable of our students, but probably not the less vulnerable, I guess. And in our conversation with him, that actually like definitely came up and that was a big part of it. And I feel as though <laughs> we've covered a lot of things from the Republicans already and probably like might not be able to get in a whole story on that. But I felt like his opinion on it was pretty nuanced. Mm -hmm. Weren't bronze kids homeschooled? No, I went to school with them. Okay. I am incorrect then. Yes, as you frequently are. Uh, also, this this is accompanied <laughs> by a picture of J.T. Wilcox and Braun sitting like behind a little like in the Senate, whatever, you know? That was the AP Legislative Day setup. Yeah. Anyway, J.T. Wilcox has this look on his face like the waitress is delivering him a slice of pie and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably could have picked a better photo than that. I, uh, yeah, I should have gone back and looked. You're right. Good I criticism. We do try, we try not to think about like how, if they're looking goofy or if not, like I, I think. I do. If it's like a serious thing, what happens is on the back end of the website, and this is a real deep uh, news dump listener look in the newsroom, is when you select the photo, it's very tiny. <laughs> so I thought it was a different photo from the same take. Um, and then I didn't go back and look. That makes so. sense. Uh, yeah, I like... But you are correct. That is what it looks like. Wilcox just looking like little Jack Horner. They here. might have been bringing him a pie. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't there. I... They were not bringing him a pie. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. There was um, no pie. There were donuts. Well, there you have it. Oh, All right. Donut then. Uh, any other... Do you guys want to talk about any other letters from high schoolers or anything else on the opinion page? No, let's move on. Yeah, okay. I think we hit all the... the there is a good one in tomorrow's paper from Julie McDonald about the uh, new exhibits at Mount St. Helens reflecting Cowlitz tribal history, and I would definitely recommend reading it. Okay. Uh, People's Champion of the Week. We've got Toledo Tell named Business of the Year. Diane Dory getting Evergreen Award at the Chamber Banquet on Friday night. We've also got... Uh, Shahalis Basin strategy facilitator reflects on decade mediating fish comma flood issues. Um, reflects on decades really is your key phrase of the week, Isabel. Yeah. Throw that in there. Yeah. Uh, Jim Kramer is this facilitator and he is the reason we have an aquatic species restoration plan in the Shahalis Basin. I think that's pretty noble. Um, however, I refuse to deliver <laughs> this award to bureaucrats. <laughs> As a bureaucrat. As a bureaucrat. <laughs> Uh, and I think so, David Burnett oh, should be on here. Yeah. Uh, Jim Kramer was hired by an outside source by the Ruckelshaus Center when he first came into the Shayless Basin process. While it was funded by the legislature, he was not a bureaucrat. He came from an independent consulting company. Uh, and Ruckelshaus is spelled the same as Folksa, mm -hmm. for anybody out there wondering. Folksal. Uh-huh. It's not that hard to say. I don't know why everybody Four just castle. doesn't care. <laughs> Forecastle. Forecastle going to be really pissed off about this. If they hear me defending their honor, I'm sure they will be very happy. And my People's Champion of the Week, Shehalis Elementary students collect over 8,000 pounds of food. The food went to the Shehalis Food Bank, which served 1,185 people in December alone. If I can vouch for Toledo Tell just a little bit here, I only learned on Friday night that they have been in the broadband internet business since 1906. Think about that, that for a while. There was no How internet in 1906. <laughs> Joking. I mean, they were a telephone company back then. They do broadband internet oh. now. 
But yeah, I didn't know the company was that old when I they didn't either. said that during the banquet. I was kind of shocked. 1906. Not as old as the Chronicle 1889, which probably wrote about this startup Toledo business. <laughs> Spreading internet, waiting, waiting and wait then, for ninety years. I bet the Chronicle back then was like, "Who are these guys? Ha! Though you won't be successful. <laughs> You're gonna fail. You'll never be business of the year." <laughs> Our old, views. Old Chronicle was so critical of every new thing. It was the critical. Yeah, these telephones aren't gonna catch on. Uh, anyway, Shayla's elementary students. Uh, congratulations. Whatever. Your podcast, story. Aaron. It was. Oh, are you guys like? Oh, actually, <laughs> geez, you want to you want to no. trash a food bank? Maybe no. you should run for county commission while you're at it. Oh gosh! I again, no, my I vote is for bank. David Burnett. That's my vote. Who didn't make this list? Um, I feel bad giving People's Champion of the Week to a Business of the Year and an Evergreen Award winner. As much as I appreciate Diane that. Dory. Okay, fine. Diane Dory's already won it once. I think. Yeah, I think she's so, won it several times. Yeah. Uh, Sirens Banger of the Week. Headline, snacks, an overdose, and a bag of Skittles, in quotes, how Green Hill fentanyl bust unfolded. Jeanette announced on Thursday that it arrested four Green Hill inmates. At, how do you arrest an inmate? You arrest them. You, you already got them. Like, Cuff them. <laughs> um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. You march them around the building. Arrest them like a, a legal thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure these inmates were older than 18, so now I think they are like, arrested instead of just being there at the like detention center. Does that make sense? Transitioning so from students to, to inmate, which I insist on calling them all inmates. I notice the Olympian calls them students and maybe I'm cold, but I figure if you're being held against your will in a lockdown situation for crimes, you are an inmate. Yeah. I, I don't feel yeah. like that's cold. I feel like that's just realistic. They get called students and inmates. It's 50, 50, depending on who's writing it up. All right. I feel like it, it also depends on the situation. Like when we did the graduation, you know, that's kind of. Yeah, that is very true. In that situation, they definitely were students and we were covering them One as One of those in individuals was arrested in this bust. Yeah. But so we were still covering went... them in their capacity as students. So I feel like that's fine. <laughs> I had that's a student a... inmate once and a caller pointed out that, like, it reads like they're aspiring to become inmates. And I said, fair. Maybe that's you should... I feel like I would not <laughs> think that, but okay. <laughs> Anyway, someone was sneaking drugs in disguised as a big bag of Skittles, which I guess is just shows you that the old tried-and-true methods of sneaking shit into prison are classic for a reason. Uh, most of the pills were blue and imprinted with M and 30 on opposing sides. A small amount of the pills were pink, imprinted with M and 15 on opposing sides, according to JNET. Uh, the crack detectives at JNET noticed that Skittles would not have an M on them. That is reserved for M&Ms. Hmm. That's from the story, right? No. No. Uh, anyway, this got a bunch of people arrested, including the guy dropping off the Skittles. They're also a, a kid. I mean, I don't know if they were a kid, but an inmate was, he overdosed from this. He was a kid. He was nearly, 17. Kid by legal standards. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Nearly died, I believe. I, it's really, yeah. Yeah, that's what the deputy prosecutor said. It's he nearly died, and that was on November 27th, and we did get a tip about it in the newsroom. Um, yeah. The state was very tight-lipped, and now it's clear, or became clear when this story came out, that JNET was working on it, and it would not uh, it would not make any sense for the state to talk with us, which we've run into every once in a while. Um, and, it's an, uh, an ongoing investigation kind of thing? Yes, yes. Um, I don't know. The one, not frustration, but the early version of the story indicated that this was all JNET, like the from top to bottom that closed this up. And I want to give all the props to JNET. They do great work. 
Um, but this was actually the result of some Green Hill staff um, that w started this and was able to um, crack the case, so to speak. All right, great. Uh, and then we have another Sirens Banger of the Week. Uh, Isabel, you added this. Would you like to, uh, you want to you wanna take the wheel here? I just, I think we've talked about this one before, so I wanted to put it on here as a follow-up. But um, there's a Centralia woman who was accused of stealing her neighbor's dogs, and she pled not guilty, pleaded, as we say, not guilty to felony charges. Um, she's accused of stealing three dogs and then lying about it to law enforcement, uh, and then telling them that they were her sister-in-law's dogs and then the dogs were someplace else and the neighbor was like, where are they? And the prosecutor said, you're never going to see your dogs again. That's kind of rude. Yeah, anyways, she's not being held in jail, I think just because of like the fact that she was able to show up in court during the summons and everything. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's just an update. It's it's still a wild crime to me, and yeah. it hits different people in different ways. If you look at the comments, it ranges from, well, he should have been taking care of his dogs to she should be in jail right now. What is she doing out? Like, it like, kind of relates to how you feel about dogs in a you, lot of ways. Do you yeah. really have to... Uh, first of all, I think that on its own is a very interesting point, and I think that I've thought a lot about how people think about dogs this year, and it's it's very odd to me in all accounts. But also... Do your dogs really need to be under your supervision all the time? Like your to not dog be disappeared. Be, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. To, your dog can like run outside, right? Like why? I mean, I'm not saying like freely, but if you have them in a fence or whatever, like it shouldn't be your fault that somebody goes and steals your dogs. And we did mention it last week, but I still find it super weird that according to the victim in this case, the owner of the dogs. She was messaging him and asking him if he had found his dogs with crying emojis oh, when yeah. he would respond no. That. Like so it Yeah, that's kind of cruel. It's just very odd to me. Uh, you guys ready for a long batch? This is a robust batch. I know. I really got carried away this to morning. Do this to us? Uh, Are Facebook, you mentally okay if Facebook. you're going through all those? He put I, three pieces in the news section and then did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got caught up in the, the social media scrolling. Uh, Facebook comments of the week. On a history photo of the Napoline basketball team from 1916. Man, you can tell people had it rough back then when the teenagers looked to be in their late 20s and 30s. This commenter's not wrong. Like I thought yeah. that when I pulled the photo to share and I... Like, I zoomed in on all their faces, and that's what I thought. I, it even made me go back to the source, which was our, our hometown's books, and that's what was in there. So, Yeah. Well, luckily, those children put their cigarettes out for the photo. Um, on <laughs> they a history, were off, <laughs> off work from the Tono mine. <laughs> yeah. On a history photo of the Centralia Massacre, a commenter says, it's truly sad that Washington State history isn't taught in our school anymore. Kids need to learn things about our history, whether it was done the right way or what each individual considers political correct but the way it truly was done with actual facts, that's why it's called history, my opinion. And then somebody replies, Washington State history is still a graduation requirement for students to take sometime yeah, between 7th and 12th grade. It's often taught in middle school. It was like my favorite class. It's like the best. I moved to Washington from North Carolina and took North Carolina history, and they made me take this class the last year, my senior year, because they discovered I hadn't taken Washington State history. Bunch of, yeah, like, they'll do that. Schoolers. I walked in the back of the graduation because of Washington State history because they didn't know <laughs> if I was going to finish it in time. <laughs> True story. Yeah, they do that. 
Also, um, I feel like I was dealt a false bill of goods in my elementary history classes, just saying that. Over in North Carolina? Yes. North I Carolina wonder, private school, Christian I, school. Oh I gosh. wonder which war you should be referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I think, uh, I think a lot of my generation was taught a incorrect or at least overly rosy view of Oof. history. Uh, on a post Dang. about a potential wealth tax for people making above $250 million, it's just a bunch of people who would never, not once, not in their wildest dreams, be affected by such a bill threatening revolution over the smallest inconvenience to the uber-rich, including one commenter who says, looks like Robin Hood wants to take from the rich to give to the poor. And then a follow-up commenter says, and it should be just the reverse. <laughs> My I, initial thought on that bill, and not that anybody cares, but it's, and I'm sure it's a talking point, but I haven't really read into it. It's just like, if you are among the ultra-rich and somebody's going to do like a 1% tax on your money... Like you are also the demographic that can most easily move to a state that doesn't do that. Yeah. So you fund all these programs through this tax. They move, maybe, and then you have to fund these programs, and we have to come up with a new tax. No, that definitely happens. I mean, yeah, but on the other hand, because when you're that rich, one percent is a lot. Yeah, but think about like if you found out right now that hey, your taxes are going up one percent next year. Are you going to move? I'm not ultra rich, so if I had no, 250 it's million so dollars, money. it's just about the pain in the ass of it. If, if I had 250 million dollars, it would then be probably cheaper for me to get a house. Yeah, but if you had 250 one year million of dollars, the tax, if you had 250 million dollars, one percent of that would be like, oh, who cares? No, it's not. I think people that are that rich never have the who cares approach to their money. I agree to disagree. <laughs> okay, we can just Maybe imagine what it would like to be wildly rich. I, I really thought we would be debating Robin Hood in this segment. Oh, that's fine. Uh, let's see. On a failed to register sex offender arrested in Thurston County. The quotes or the comment says, why is the Chronicle admitting this predator's name? That's a name given to them by the state predators. Refer to them as such. They aren't people or persons. What? No need to sanitize what they are. Uh, this was an Olympian story. They aren't people or persons? That's a pretty common uh, like tone on these sex offender stories. So That's... But the Just Olympian doesn't name true. anyone until they're charged. We don't normally either unless... I mean, there's cases where we do, um, but... That's why that person's name. I still take a huge issue with they aren't people or persons. Like, that's just awful. I mean, whether or not, no matter what someone's done, dehumanizing them to me is not fair. Uh, Folks uh, disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Folks will disagree. You know about the Facebook (laughs) mob. Come on. I know. I'm just that. Oh, that's just strikingly awful from the same post i'm not quite sure what all you monkeys are crying about this guy failed to report and they arrested him the exact same thing has always happens you just read the headlines and go herp derp damn easily derp derp <laughs> that's pretty funny i <laughs> i don't like him mocking other commenters but the way you read it was funny uh on a proposed a story about a proposed bill adding a 45 minute recess to school one commenter says less playtime is needed what? another commenter that's said that's the most bs i've ever heard <laughs> i thought kids went to school to learn tack a half hour on their day if they need more playtime like as if playing I, with other kids isn't learning like, my kids get three recesses them. which is seems excessive like based on my memory of school they're shorter than than I got but you get three of them like that's great your I kids have a school where they get things. three recesses yeah, three I, things I things see why you're worried to. about that 250 million dollar wealth tax bill <laughs> when I was your kids' age I definitely got three yeah two. I I didn't I didn't know that was a thing only one recess for the but 
play is just as much a teaching tool for kids I agree. as anything else in that age. Like it's social development as well as like physical. I mean, it, it's yeah. definitely a learning tool. That's just silly. Yeah, it just teaches you to interact with society in general, which like, I mean, kids really do have a problem with that right now. Yeah. It's also just good and healthy to get them outside. Yeah. yeah. Get them running around. Yeah. Boot them out Sweat there. Sweat them out. <laughs> uh, on the Green Hill Skittles item, commenter says, must be the same deputies that oversee the junior criminals as the ones who oversee Aaron Christensen murder. Just want to bring in that once again, we have no developments in the case. I understand that's the point that he was making, and I'm not cold to that. I just like, they busted the fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, no. but it's fine. Um, uh, we do have a slight development. So I was going to bring that up in stories oh, oh, ahead. Okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Emily covered um, Aaron Christensen's family and friends had a 50th birthday party for him in Portland on Friday night and it was a concert because he was a musician with uh, people that he'd been in bands with and they sang a song in tribute to him and I think it was just like general reflections on their love of him etc and she attended that and covered it but also the most recent update comes from one of his family members which is that the sheriff's office said they were waiting to make an arrest um, based on different cell phone mapping that they are hoping to receive of the two suspects, which are and then they'll send it back to the prosecutor. and 17 year old from Rochester and Tonino. Tonino, not respectively the opposite of that. Okay. And just to quickly reiterate, uh, he was killed in August, uh, gunshot wound to the chest that came out after the Chronicle put his picture on the front page and asked what happened to him within mm-hmm. 12 hours. And, um, his friends and family are uh, understandably very upset that no one has been arrested, even though a suspect was named. Um, they did send charges to the prosecutor. Prosecutor sent them back, and it must be the cell phone data that uh, the prosecutor was interested in, you can surmise. Um, and we don't have any timeline, I think you said that, for when that'll actually come through. All right. Um, I'm just going to skip these last two. I just don't have it in me right now. What's in the next edition? They must be bad. No, not really. It's just like we've, we've been over it. It's just too much. Uh, what do we have in the next edition? Uh, we have, like I mentioned, the follow-up. Uh, Emily had a very eventful weekend. She covered that uh, Aaron Christensen event in Portland late Friday. Um, and then on Sunday, went to this community meeting in Tonino. Um, and I will say this is an exclusive online story at the moment. We didn't get it into Tuesday's paper. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's really good. It kind of just tells you the path ahead, like we mentioned, for the residents and kind of their last-ditch efforts to stop this. Uh, Isabel did a nice story on uh, our new congresswoman, Marie Glusenkamp-Perez, uh, visiting Centralia College. She also oh, stopped yeah. at the county, met with them there. I thought that was neat. Um, yeah, we've got the next installment from Matthew Zilstra on the Shahale School District, focused on math. And yeah, I mean, those are, those are kind of the highlights. There's a visual marking the 16th anniversary of the death of Karen Bodine in South Thurston County. Um, so Emily wrote up a short item on that, etc. There's a new coach in Adna. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, he's from Goldendale, which is where my, my brother and his wife live. Um, I learned this week, not from the Chronicle, but from a Chronicle staff member that the Centralia High School coach is already out. Uh, I don't know if he's out. Oh, okay. necessarily. Maybe I was misinformed. 
Um, I mean, you know, who, who knows what could happen between now and uh, August, but. There's a good wrestling roundup in there as well. WF West had the Bearcat invite over the weekend. Some really good photos. Stepping on Sports Dumb's bits now. I, 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 want, I want to do the crossover, man. Let's make it happen. It's not going to happen. Let's it's make it happen. We don't have enough good. mics. Let's <laughs> get do two to a mic. <laughs> Even if it does happen, it's not going to be good. Maybe they should. You should just be a guest on Sports Dump. I've invited him on, and he's got to be a full crossover. That's what he says. <laughs> Sounds a lot like me. Uh, we're sponsored by Summit Funding and The Roof Doctor. Shout out John D. for that review. <laughs> Leave your own review of this <laughs> podcast and a rating on Apple Podcast if you want. Makes no difference to me. Good evening. <laughs>